You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Look, folks, you need gear to climb. Whether you're a wall climber with every gadget under the brutal, withering sun, or just a simple boulderer with 12 pads, a lithium powered fan, and that portable studio lighting rig for your TikToks. Moan do. Even barefoot boulderers need a flowy cotton shirt and a dab of conditioner once in a while. But Sportiva is here to help your footprint and your nagging conscience because after years of pursuing reductions, in April 2023, Sportiva USA became certified carbon neutral, which means through a combination of sustainable practices, renewable energy, and offsets, Sportiva USA's carbon emission is effectively nil. Is it a perfect balance like ants, trees, and chickadees? Well, probably not but it is a stated commitment of thought, resources, and budget towards sustainable commerce. Also, remember that the mothership in Italy meets the highest European environmental standards and is a model in the beautiful Val di Fiemme of the Dolomites. So yeah, climbing makes footprints, but go forth knowing that the best climbing boots and shoes don't have to cut too deep with Sportiva. Consider the belayer. Steadfast and sure-footed, the Belayer is a breed apart. Often taken for granted, the Belayer literally saves your life every single time you punt. And let's face it, that's a lot of disasters averted. Loyal and smart, whether it's the first time you've said take or the 100th, the Belayer sits back and holds you right where you want to be while you brush that hold one more time. Even though both you and your trusty Belayer know it ain't going to change a goddamn thing. Blair just smiles and says, Dude, you totally got it next time. Even though there's no way on God's green earth you will in fact get it next time. So maybe it's time to honor the unsung hero of your journey with a fine gift from Peter W. Gilroy. Peter, a Blair himself, knows what a trinket or a sweet splitter hat, the ones with the mountain-inspired titanium badges, will do for a worn-out Blair spirit when you've been riding them hard. Artful jewelry and accessories can be found at PeterWGilroy.com for your belayer or any partner you've been forgetting to appreciate during that singular haze of the next burn. So consider your belayer and PeterWGilroy.com. One day you might look down and they'll be gone, eating that sandwich they've been thinking about since you took on the second bolt an hour ago. And don't forget to enter Enormo at checkout for a discount and to help this darn podcast. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing it at? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. Like I'll say, you really, really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is June 19th, 
also known as Juneteenth 2023, about 11 a.m. here in Colorado. This is episode 265 of the Enormacast, a conversation with climber, influencer, I dare say activist, Drew Halsey. So yeah, happy Juneteenth to you, also a belated happy Father's Day. In my household, we celebrate Father's Day by letting father go climbing, although it's not really letting, it's not really that kind of negotiation, but you know, a Sunday in early June, I want to go rock climbing. Also, we do not call me father. Maybe you do that. I think in 2023, that's a little weird. But hey, if that's your thing, I'm a dad. I'm not. <laughs> anyway, father, father, would it be possible to get a ride to polo practice today? Son, that's what the chauffeur is for. Of course, father, you would never sully your hands on a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, maybe I have a new character for the commercials. <laughs> father, I purchased this black diamond harness and... Well, frankly, I can't find a single diamond anywhere. Hmm, <laughs> a little bit of my Jeff Bezos <laughs> getting in there. Do you remember Jeff from the Christmas ad? God, I'm embarrassing. All right, let's get to the interview with uh, with Drew Halsey instead of reminiscing about my ad's greatest hits. Although my ads are good to keep you guys listening. All right, Drew Halsey is an influencer on Instagram. What does he influence? Well, hopefully he influences us to accept people like him in our climbing frame. Fat guys, in his own words. Yeah, body positive, bigger people. That's what he's trying to get in climbing, trying to show us that it is possible to get out there, be safe, have a good time climbing, push yourself, and join the community, even in a larger body. But he also wants us and the industry to get over it. Accept these folks. Don't patronize to them. Make gear for them. But he's not pushy about it. He's just doing it himself, showing himself on Instagram, being a capable climber, climbing with his shirt off, showing off, doing his thing, and hoping that other people come along. Well, he does more than just Instagram. He does clinics and stuff like that. So we'll get into that in the interview. More than just a pretty face on Instagram. And also, he's broken another barrier. I think this is the first native Alabaman that's been on the podcast. But more importantly, this is the first guy who sounds like this that's ever been on the podcast. He's a Southern boy, and he sounds like it. I mean, I remember Bradley Carter has some twang in there, but not like this. So here we go. Alabama via Nashville. I give you Drew Halsey. Is there any fashion statement in climbing more controversial than shorts? Yes, dear listener, I mean short pants, knickers, if you will. Too short, too long, too much booty, too little leg, too baggy, and just too darn tight. Well, guten tag, Wolfgang. Is that a number two Camelot in your pocket, or are you just glad to see me? But in the end, when you do find a pair of shorts you love, it's like a dream pie filled with real dreams. And of course, Black Diamond is here to help you find your dream shorts. From the lightweight flat iron to the bomb-proof valley shorts, Black Diamond has men and women's shorts for under the harness or a breezy bouldering sesh. The new dirtbag short even comes in a retro corduroy option, so you can look just like you rolled out of a hazy VW bus in Camp 4 circa 1977. No, Ranger, sir. You must be smelling that skunk we hit up in Wawona. Poor little guy never had a chance. So come find your next pair of forever shorts at blackdiamond.com or your favorite local shop. How long have you been in Nashville? 
Uh, almost six years. I I came down here or came up here from Alabama to mm-hmm. marry my wife because I was commuting for dates back and forth, uh-huh. and I just was like, I'm going to marry her, so I'll move up here. And then within two months, I proposed. So okay. uh, it was a quick one, you know. <laughs> quick. Uh, you <laughs> you are pretty certain. <laughs> I was going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, she was the second girl to like me. So yeah, right that was. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll stick with this one. No, I mean you committed before she'd actually said yes. Yeah, but we both knew. Oh, that's cool. Maybe within the first two weeks of talking, it was just like, yeah. oh yeah, this is this is gonna how, happen. How did you guys meet? We connected online, but at, mm-hmm. this is a funny story. She had met me at a church in Birmingham, and I didn't remember meeting her, but she remembered meeting me. Actually, let me tell you the real story because I'm trying to. <laughs> this hasn't been revealed yet. <laughs> Okay. To my mother-in-law. Okay. I, I super I'm recording, li- sir. I know. I, I know. She might find out <laughs> through this. Um, so I super liked her on Tinder. She remembered me. I didn't remember her. I just thought she was cute. But we had met before like two or three years prior. But she was just in town in Alabama just to see friends. And I just happened to see her on Tinder and swiped. But she remembered me. So she lived in Nashville, though. I was like, that's a bummer. You don't live in Birmingham. You live in Nashville. But then we got to talk and I was like, okay, I'm going to come on a date. So it was like a weird, like a universe thing. Like throwing nice. us together. And then how far is it to drive from where you live to Nashville? Like what kind of commitment was this? Uh, Three hours. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yes. That's a commitment. That's a yeah, it was like commitment. A, it was a, <laughs> I would come up there. I came up here more than she came down there. So within like... Four months, uh, four or five months of meeting her, I moved up here. And you guys have been together for how long? Uh, our anniversary is uh, tomorrow. So five. Oh. Our wedding anniversary is five years. We've known each other for like six. Yeah. Awesome. Been well, married that's a good five way years. To, yeah. Good way to start the podcast with a little story of love. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, we're here talking because um, I'm not sure when I started following <laughs> you, but you've, you've also been on the run out. Mm-hmm. You're also a Sportiva ambassador, which, you know, Sportiva is part, part of the uh, sponsorship here over at the Enormacast. So I'm always like right. kind of perusing who's on their lists. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, it, you know, um, when I'm when I'm sort of looking for guests, it's not like anything implicit in their sponsorship. But, you know, it's always good people to talk to. So started mm-hmm. following you and have had you on the run out. And it's, it's just kind of a, an interesting um, sort of sideways story to climbing, um, which is kind of part of your... I guess your your media presence and your social presence as, right. as someone who's uh, kind of influencing from that side of, of the world and trying to kind of create a more inclusive space in climbing, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in terms of body image. So mm-hmm. um, let me just start with, with I think, the the kind of important thing because of the, the barriers that you felt towards it. I think the important thing is, is how you found climbing. Um, and I think you... T- told us a bit about that on the run up but let's pretend that just kind of never happened yeah the um, podcast on this podcast it's easy yeah it's sorry bisharat that a uh, podcast yeah no yeah doesn't exist you only have like tommy caldwell on there and stuff but it doesn't exist um well we, i had him on here twice so yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah. the the fun story is um i heard about this movie free solo and I wanted to go see it just because it was a Nat Geo movie and I knew it would look good on like IMAX and I like documentaries and stuff. So I was like, Hey Sarah, let's go, let's go see this movie. 
It's about this climber dude. I don't I don't really know much about it. And I was sitting there, you know, opening scenes that like majestic scene of Alex like talking about soloing and stuff. I was like, Oh, that's kinda different. And then about like I think halfway through the movie, I was like, I wonder if I can climb. Like, this is a wild world. I wonder if, like, fat people can do this. Because I've never seen a fat dude do this. So I um, started questioning it. And, like, it gets real inspiring. And dudes living in vans. It's a new world I never really imagined, even for myself. And so after the movie, I was still so stoked on climbing. It got me, like, super pumped. So I... I googled, uh, can fat people climb? And I didn't get any answers. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go to the gym and ask. And so I went to the gym and asked, and can like these ropes hold me? And they're like, yeah, they hold like thousands of pounds. You'll, you'll be fine. I was like, okay, cool. I'll start here. So <laughs> I went on like a Valentine's date with Sarah. We went to the gym, got a, like a five punch pass and I was immediately hooked. I was like, Cause at the time I was looking for something to move my body. I was like trying to hike maybe, or, you know, do that kind of thing. I think my original Instagram name was like drew goes outside or something. It was something like that. Um, so I was looking for something and to, I started my Instagram just to like show progress for myself. I didn't think it would like become anything. So I started going to the gym regularly, immediately got shoes and I found a harness that fit me and I was stoked on it. And we just uh, took off from there, and I started posting my videos online, and they started gaining traction because I think it is like kind of, it's abnormal to see a, a fat guy climbing. So um, it took off from there, and I just wanted to show others that they could do fun stuff like this too, you know? Um, right. That you didn't have to be a certain body type. Right. But it was really watching free solo that got me here. Um, so yeah, I, fi- I, f- I find that ironic because. You know, like you watch literally probably the most extreme thing that's ever been done in rock climbing. You know, that's almost unarguable. And and that's the thing that inspired you, like who had never rock climbed before. Let me ask you a little more detail about that. And if you can remember, or maybe you've thought about it since, like doubling down on some of the things you said about the lifestyle and everything else. Like, can you be more specific about what it was that drew you to it enough to... I mean, step way out of a comfort zone. I'd like to kind of talk to you too about mm-hmm. the the transformation of what your life was like versus, right? You know, getting into the outdoors. So, um, right. yeah. I mean, what what like it must have been a pretty heavy inspiration. And I yeah. think that movie has probably inspired a lot of people that go into the gym. Um, but it's a big bigger leap, as you're implying, um, for someone with your body type to do that. I was I was looking for something. I was like looking for something to do. Um, I needed to be more active. I've been in social work jobs and stuff. I never really mm-hmm. had time for myself to get out. And I was also looking for something that would be good for like my mental state. Because with climbing, you can show progress just by the activity you're doing. When as otherwise, you're in. If you go to like a standard gym, you're just like, oh, I ran the mile a little faster, you know. But also, it's it drew me because it was like kind of like a jungle gym, you know. It felt it felt a little childish and fun and just more exciting than like a normal gym mm-hmm. setting. And I was also just seeing the community and stuff in that movie and seeing this world where people like were nomads and they chased rocks was, it was so different than anything I've been ever been a part of in my life. I'm not like a, I wasn't a sports guy. I was like a band geek. That's what I did in high school was band. I didn't play sports or anything. So 
I never felt that belonging you before. Uh, you on percussion. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like a snare player in my little small private school I went to. I think seeing the nomadic life and like seeing the community was different. It, that movie's not really about that. It's like I found more about that after Free Solo. Like honestly, through like this podcast, like, I got learn more about the dirtbag life and something about it was like a change of pace than just what I was doing at the time, which was really just focused on mental health and working with my clients and stuff. I needed a change of pace and it looked fun, but also at gyms, I'm was pretty uncomfortable, just standard gyms. And I felt pretty welcomed when I walked into a climbing gym. Cause, um, I think for the most part, the community is pretty accepting of anyone. Well, um, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about just that first time. I mean, where did, where did you go? Uh, this gym- time when you were like, Hey, how, how much can these ropes hold kind of a, of yeah. A so I went to this small little gym called the, the Craig Franklin doesn't exist anymore in that form. It closed down and is a new gym. But like what was great about that gym was it was very old school gym. The rope walls were only like 25 feet. So it was like you wouldn't get off the ground too high, but you were learning ropes. The bouldering was a little sketchy because you had to place your own pads because it was old school. So you had to spot, <laughs> you had to spot yourself, which is unheard of nowadays. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure no one's allowed to be irresponsible for their own actions <laughs> yeah, in any but way, had, shape, or form in a modern gym. <laughs> yeah, I had to like move my pad under me and make sure. Right. And I'd be like on an overhang and I'd be like, hey, like talking to a staff member, like, hey, can you like move this a little bit? You know, <laughs> and the staff would watch out for you. But um, <laughs> that was kind of cool. I got that experience of like following on a pad, you know. And uh, let me stop you there for a second. It's yeah. interesting to me that. You know, and maybe sort of fateful or helpful that that's the type of gym you walked into because mm-hmm. I understand the idea of being intimidated when walking in, into a like a great big modern gym, and you know, it's it's like maybe not on the same kind of level that you might be on, mm-hmm. especially as a beginner. But I mean, I I don't care how fit I'm feeling <laughs> if I go into because we don't have you know we have a little bouldering gym here. If I go into like a a, a big gym in Salt Lake City or something like that, which I mean, I, I get sort of a like flutter of like, I don't really belong here. Like this mm-hmm. is intense, you know, and not, and it's, and it's all me. Like, it's not anything that anybody's said to me or anything else, but there's this kind of feeling of like, you don't quite belong. There's already this established community here. And then also they're really like intimidating how big and tall the walls are. And, you know, I definitely look at big caves in these modern climbing gyms and think like, I don't even know if I'm going to get up the easiest route on that thing, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to like act all cocky, but I'm a pretty good climber. You climb and rifle. <laughs> I think you're okay. I yeah. know, but the gym still, uh, my point is the gym still like, I get this kind of whoosh of like, all right, here we go. This is like an intense place. And um, so just thinking about whether you'd walked into something like that versus like yeah, this so- little community gym that probably was about the best fit for your very first time it really was because it was it was so small and they had another location that had taller walls and it was way bigger and i felt weird when i walked into that place because it was just oh crap i'm the only fat guy here you know i have felt like all eyes you know on me um whereas over there i could kind of hide and like come in sneak out you know but then Mm -hmm. as like my page grew i'm like 
I became like less scared and I didn't care as much as what, what others might see me as at the gym. Talk a little bit about your progress as a climber. Not, not necessarily your progress is how well you were climbing, but like that level of enjoyment, that level of dedication, um, you know, kind of where did it go from there? Um, and it sounds like your wife was into it right away as well. Yeah, she, she was into it. She just, she liked going outside. Um, my first intent with climbing was to get to a level where I was climbing outside. Um, I didn't want to be stuck in a gym. I just thought that was the best place to learn. Cause what also inspired me was like Alex's stuff was just like the big cliffs and the outside aspect of climbing. So I always had that goal. I hit that goal like six months later. I think I went outside for the first time and just kind of grew from there because we took our first climbing trip that same year. We went to Red River Gorge, which can get anybody stoked on climbing because of the community there. I was really nervous to go to our first climbing trip because it was like, what are we doing? You know, uh, me and my wife learned outdoor uh, anchors and stuff on our own. We wouldn't taught that. We probably should have sought someone out thinking about it now. We learned on our own. We set up like an anchor block at our house and we would like tie ropes and do the whole cleaning thing. Um, and we went outside with our gym, but then maybe a month later we went outside by ourselves and like that was the first time I've kind of pushed myself in climbing because I was leading something for the first time by myself and just me and my wife. And that was also like the time I took my biggest whip since I've started climbing was my first time of leading by myself. And I like made it to chains and I whipped because I was too short to like clip the last guy. That was an experience for sure because I was so nervous. Like I was shaking up there and I was like, Sarah, you got to catch me, you got to catch me, you got to catch me. And I like whipped maybe 10 feet, <laughs> you know, but also it was kind of sketchy because I was on a five, four and those can be like ledgy. So I whipped onto a ledge, which could have been bad, but uh, that like changed my life. I think was that one moment it was like being that scared and being that pushing myself for really, truly the first time in my life, especially with such an odd sport, like such a different thing than I, ever, I was ever used to. How did Sarah feel about catching you? I mean, it all worked out. It seems like. Yeah, I have audio. I, rookie content <laughs> creator mistake. I had the camera turned around backwards, so I oh. didn't even catch the whip. But I have audio of me being like, okay, I'm about to fall. Um, and she was stuck. I mean, she's a great player. I was confident. We've been blaming yeah. each other in the gym all the time and leading in the gym. Right. So we were used had to Had you that. been taking whips in the gym? A little bit. Okay. But yeah. that gym, again, the taller walls at that gym at the time I was at, were maybe 35 feet. So it wasn't like, wasn't the best like experience for outdoors because mm -hmm. there's not a bolt every three feet outdoors. But I was confident, you know, I was like, if I die right here, I die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I died doing what I loved in that moment, you know. Um, uh, and my hand, like, I was so, I'm, my hands are sweating thinking about it. It's just like, it was so scary. And I was like, okay, everything will hold, it'll hold, it'll hold. I did it. And I was like, I came down off my adrenaline. And I was like, I'm so glad I went through that. So that's kind of where my stoke really started because I was like, oh, I could grow. I could like do this. I can climb outside. I can do this. I didn't even make it to the top of the route technically, but I can climb outside. So me and Sarah took a trip to the red and met up with some online friends. 
and while we were there, we were so nervous to meet up with people. But that's kind of part of it. I was trying to tell Sarah, like, this is kind of part of the climbing community. You, like, meet people online, and you're like, hey, let's climb when you're here. Okay. So that was our first aspect of doing that. And the people we hung out with were so supportive that I was climbing 5.3 when they were climbing 5.12s, you know. And I think that made me realize, like, it's not even about the grades, you know. It is about grades to so many people. But just the the community and, like, you get to move around on rocks and you play outside and you enjoy the time you have together. That's what it's about. It's a little bit about how hard you can push yourself. Like you got to kind of push yourself a little bit, some instances, but at the end of the day, it's not what it's about. You know, I think about that time, like how scared I was going to the red, but how I came out of the red, like changed because people were happy that and stoked in the community that I was doing what I was doing just being outside and doing the thing. It only continued to grow from there, and I started making kind of outside climbing goals. And I think, like, 2020 hit, and so we all take a step back. So, But I continue to be stoked, stoked for it. My happiness is still growing. It's just different. And I'm looking for more adventurous stuff versus mm-hmm. – um, and more drawn-out stuff versus more, um, like, quick sport routes. So that's kind of what I'm stoked on now. But – just from that start, going to the red and leaving the red different was kind of jump-started me to be like, I can be like an adventurous dude. Like, I'm allowed to be. Like, I didn't think I was allowed to be adventurous because I was fat. Because no one shows a fat guy. Like, no one shows bigger body folks in their media. So they're not, it doesn't seem possible because we're not showing that it is possible. And my direction started pushing towards that way, like showing that we can do this and that you can just go outside and do whatever you want to. Like society tells you different, but who Mm -hmm. cares? And that's the climbing spirit, I think, especially in like the, you know, you think of like climbing in the seventies and eighties, it was like kind of ragtag, do what you want, forget society rules, you know? I've been told that it is like the climbing spirit to do that. And I was I was sort of curious, you know, mentioning how like I you know, I feel these I have these feelings of inadequacy in climbing all the time, you know, and I don't know if that's helpful to people or if if people are like, well, that's dumb. But um you know, but it's it's you know, it's almost entirely internal, right? Like I don't actually have anyone actively telling me I can't go climbing or or anything like that. And I was I was kind of wondering if those feelings that you had primarily again internal, but also, I mean, I know you've gotten like pushback online and we can kind of differentiate between the two of those. But as far as that feeling of welcoming that you've been talking about, I mean, has there been incidences where you've been directly, you know, told that you can't do it or that you shouldn't be doing it? Not just from the climbing community, but also I would imagine a lot of times we get those, those voices from outside, you know, saying, I think women, you know, we're an example of that for the longest time. Like you, you're a woman, you can't do this, that, or the other thing, you know, not from the actual sport, but from, from the world at large. I mean, where do those things all mix up in, in kind of what you think are the sort of barriers to, to, you know, you entering climbing or people like you entering climbing? A a barrier would be like, you know, feeling like you belong is huge. Even, you know, I'm almost, I'm on year four climbing. I still get weekly comments saying, like, you shouldn't be doing this. 
you're going to injure yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, I see climbers get injured all the time because they hang board too much, you know, why am I any different? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, little shot of the trad dads out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it was uh, the, the barriers are feeling like you belong because you have an expectation of what others may think of you. I think going into it, mm-hmm. especially with like a macho sport, like, like climbing. Um, that's why I, I try to be shirtless as much as I can. You know, I try to like break those, <laughs> break those ideals, you know, cause like, if you can do it, I should be able to do it too, even in the body that I'm in. Um, right. and that makes people mad. Like, like a lot of comments come from, um, a lot of people when I'm like up here, like everyone else, you know, in the climbing world. Well, I've, I'm on record of the, no, nobody should have their shirts off in the gym. So anyway. Yeah, I feel you. It's disgusting. <laughs> I don't care who you are. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if, if other people are, then you should be able to, too. Yeah, exactly. What, what your point is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And overcoming that barrier can be hard because cause it takes a lot of self-confidence, you know, to break those chains. And I've done a lot of therapy. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of re-examining myself since climbing to get to the point that I'm at. But I hope, like, when people see me doing it it is an entry point for them my goal is to be kind of the everyday man like if that guy can do it oh i can go do it because i get questions about gear all the time i get questions about ropes and stuff i get questions about how i feel comfortable doing it and it takes a lot of work on yourself to get to that point because i was kind of an anxious mess when i first started like i was comparing myself to tommy caldwell like i was like I remember a moment I had a panic attack in the gym. It was probably still the first year I was climbing, maybe year two, but I was on the wall and I was like, dude, you can't get this five nine. There's dudes out in Yosemite like crushing it and you can't do this here. What are you doing here? And I had a panic attack and I left the gym and that was a turning point in my climbing because I had to stop comparing myself to others. And I think grade chasing was a lot of that it was like, trying to get to the next right. level and pushing myself and it not working out for w- what I had at the time, you know? And since then I've over, like I've climbed five, nine, and I've, you know, V threes in the gym and stuff. It just took a different route than pushing myself. I had to take a step back and be like, Drew, you're like, you're, you're using what you got. You should be proud of that. You know, you should be proud that you're doing this quote unquote extreme sport. Like if you saw yourself six years ago doing this or like say when I first met Sarah or whatever, um, you'd be like, you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? What you would never be in Yosemite climbing, you know, that's not that. But now it's just my life. Cause I took a step back cause I had to, for my mental health, I had to, cause I was just kind of drowning myself in the gym and going three or four times a week and I wasn't seeing progress. So I started hating myself, you know? Um, and that hate gets in you and it can make you dislike the thing that made you start changing your body and changing your mind and your spirit, you know, it's interesting talking to you. Um, and this is the second time and, and, and how, like, I mean, these are all anxieties and things that people of any type have, but they're, you know, but for various reasons, they're, they're sort of, um, accentuated, I think in your situation. And, and I think, I don't know if that's like a, a helpful thought to think that like, you know, all these people around me are anxious about how hard they climb and how hard everybody else's climbs. Um, or maybe it's not helpful, but it's, 
and I, it's kind of this weird part of the sport and it's i don't think it's new it's always been there mm-hmm. um you know there's always been this underlying message of like trying harder and trying harder and once you've done that you should try harder you should try a harder route a bigger mountain i mean you should never to, you should never stop <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's like <laughs> Yeah, you have to definitely find this like balance. And, you know, I've dealt now with aging and there's been these moments of like, yeah, it's over for me, you know, kind of a thing. And no, it's not. And I can still do it. But, you know, and so it's it's interesting how we like thrust ourselves into this situation and we use the. We sort of use those tools to to drive us in a lot of ways, but then they can backfire on us, too. And and, Mm -hmm. and like you were just saying, you, you turn out into sort of hating it. But when you're, when you're, you were dealing with those thoughts and you probably still do, I guess that's my point. I think yeah. we all do. I mean, do you have a, do you have sort of climbing, uh, sources to talk to, uh, uh like, you know, I, I, I hate using the word mentor so much. Um, cause it's come, come to mean like this whole sort of bucket of things in climbing, right. but like, who are your, um, who are your go-to sources for like perspective? I mean, Tommy Caldwell, not the best comparison, although I don't know if you've ever met him. He's the nicest never, guy, and yeah, he would t- he would tell you to calm down and have fun as as quickly as anybody else would. Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't met yeah. him. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's the second to the final boss. Like I'm trying to meet Tommy, and then I'm trying to meet Alex, and I'm like, okay, right. life, life complete, um, climbing goals complete. But um, dude, Sportiva team, come on, man, pull some strings. I know. <laughs> Just, anyway, but my point being, like, do you have someone who's a good outlet of perspective for you that's within climbing, hmm. um, or do you seek that out? I'd say Conrad is a big one. If I get hateful comments, you know, and stuff, and I like to say when I get, like, hateful comments, like, that's going to immediately become content. Like, I'm going to turn that into content just mm-hmm. to show the climbing world that these people are out here and they are our mm-hmm. fellow climbers. But Conrad will usually hit up my comments and be like, send some amazing spiritual inspirational quote my way. And it's like, okay, if Conrad's telling me I'm doing something right, I'm doing something right. I've talked to like Timmy O'Neill a little bit. Um, I'll text him from time to time just to check in. And he's always encouraging and, you know, as you know, excitable. And gets, you, <laughs> gets you stoked on everything. Um It'll just like, be so funny. It'll be like four months. We won't talk to each other. And every now and then I'll just shoot a text and I'll be like, Timmy, Drew. Yay. And like, I guess it, but, um, to talking like the old, I think the older guys that, especially like the, the Yosemite got the, like the nineties dirt bags, the late nineties dirt bags of Yosemite. They're like telling me I'm doing something right. So, um, I know I'm doing something right and I should keep going. The courage it sort of took. I think I'm going to just call it courage, whether you agree with that or not, Mm -hmm. you know, to walk into that gym first time, especially when your perspective is, is free solo. Um, (laughs) That's fascinating. Where do you, where did that come from? Like, are, are are you typically like that? Was it like a, a a kind of a, a a lightning striking moment? Are you someone who, who kind of walks towards like these uncomfortable situations or, you know, because I want to yeah. kind of expand that to putting yourself online because that, that was also right. um, something that took a little bit. I had always been the fat kid that did the skin stuff my skinny friends did, you know. Uh-huh. Like, my best friend still to this day is like a six-foot-one skinny guy, and I would go skate with I would go skate with him 
or try skating, was never scared to take my shirt off at the pool. And this might come from like being on the autism spectrum because I am. I like honesty more than anything. So I was just going to be honest with myself. Like I'll give stuff a try, see what sticks. Mm -hmm. So I think it was that I've always been the guy that tries stuff. Like I tried like stand up comedy for a little bit. Like I did open mics a bunch in Nashville and my hometown, but I kind of was getting tired of staying up till midnight to one o'clock every night to get some time on stage. It's like I had an ambition to find something that stuck in climbing stuck. It's also like an ADHD thing to start a new hobby like every like two seconds, you know, like you get hyper fixated on stuff, but then you, you might drop it. But being on the spectrum, like I became fo really focused and like addicted to climbing and the whole world around it. But I think that was, a, it became like a special interest of mine. My son is actually um, on the autism spectrum and mm -hmm. ADHD and which has, you know, prompted me to obviously learn a ton about it. Right. And, um, as I've learned a ton about it, and this is, you know, typical when you, when you sort of learn about autism. I mean, my, my wife accuses me of, um, you know, being on the spectrum, uh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. you're emotionally distant. It's straight here. Um, <laughs> but then I cast around climbing and it's, it's fascinating. And I think people who also know about this look around climbing and, you know, going back even historically, you start to scratch your head about some of these practitioners um mm -hmm. the way like you just said they they fixated they could just like break social you know any sort of social connection to to pursue their their sport and i mean do you find like you were saying how you you would go from hobby to hobby to hobby mm -hmm. but this one's stuck mm -hmm. uh, i mean what do you think is special about it that at least for you has has sort of broken through that that try it, stop it, try it, stop it um, kind of thing uh, maybe that your life was dealing with before climbing came along? I think it was easier to follow because it could, it could be um, integrated into your life, you know? It wasn't like a all or nothing thing. Like, I could go to the gym once or twice a week. I think that was it. And then we were just kind of, at the time, looking to go outside, be outside. And that felt kind of, it just kind of slid into the groove of of that, like, Oh, I could just go to the gym and I'll climb a little bit and maybe on the weekends we could do this. And also something I could do with my wife, we could do it together. That was a mm -hmm. big benefit because like stand up was a pursuit that I I just had, you know, so it helped to have a partner in, in this. It pleased like my side that wanted to be adventurous, but also like please Sarah's side of like going outside and just having a little community. I think it just was a perfect fit. It, it was weird. It was just like it slid right in there and I haven't stopped doing it. And I've picked up like other hobbies and I have other special interests. But like at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm a social worker and I'm a climber and I'm a husband. Like that's my like titles I give myself. So you, you also, like you said, you're a social worker, um, which means you're, you know, you're providing support for other people. It's mm -hmm. interesting. You know, you're also going to therapy yourself. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so it's, it's all in the mix. But, I mean, what do you think about its sort of, uh, I guess, therapeutic properties? Or, I mean, do you ever recommend it to people that you see, you know, in a rut or anything like uh, that? Or does it seem like it's not quite fit with what you do as a social worker? Yeah, I don't think it fits because, like, it takes money to climb. And a lot of folks mm -hmm. I work with are coming out. I mainly work with uh, people coming out of jail and prison. So they're mm -hmm. just thinking about their next meal. They're not thinking about 
whether or not they're they'll have time to go out to the red to work on their 512 project they're just trying to get <laughs> a freaking can of food or something you know um so i never people ask me that like oh do you recommend it to your clients it's like no mm-hmm. they they need rehab they need, right. they need they need support maybe four years down the line when their life's back they might could start doing it therapeutically though for like people that can that do get to climb i think it slows you down you know i think nature is pretty healing you know like staring at a mountain is way better than like staring at a tv or a phone you know we're all like the places we usually climb there's no you're not connected to the world you know you don't have to worry about that you're only worried about what's in front of you which could be you know five three multi-pitch or a five your five twelve sport you're working yeah so it's therapeutic in that way and i think also setting goals for yourself is important um, just to better yourself, and, you know, set realistic goals, do little bite size chunks and, you know, you'll eventually get to climb your project. It's just like setting these little goals because it means you've accomplished something and gives, your, gives yourself a little self-worth that you've accomplished something. So I think it's therapeutic in that way. And just being with community, being with others is huge because so many people isolate. We can do everything from, you know, where you're sitting, watch your favorite movie just right here. You could go do everything here but going out and doing something with others i think is very important and that's what sarah and i were seeking too and we found a whole community of people i can go anywhere in the u.s and have someone to climb with and that's what's the magic about it is like that that community because a lot of folks i think i think need it i think they need human (laughs) interaction and you know we get to trust each other with like belaying and you know you build that trust with friends and the bond grows from there it is very therapeutic. Um, again, I was at a point where I had a panic attack and left the gym. So I can also turn on the other side of things. You can get too obsessed with it. You can be, get unrealistic about it. Like if I'm not climbing five, fourteen, three years, I'm worthless. Like there is a lot of that. And there's a lot of internal I think dialogue with climbers about self worth. You just got to take a step back and be proud of what you accomplished. You know, not what what you haven't. I was hoping to go to like the red and stuff this spring but it just didn't work out and i got started feeling kind of down on myself that i wasn't didn't get to go do the things i like to do and but then like that was okay i needed to slow down like we traveled all over the place last year and like that's okay gave me perspective to start working on bigger goals but i needed to slow down before working on bigger goals and climbing so th- that took some like self-reflection to be like, dude, you you did so much last year. Like you climbed a multi-pitch in Yosemite. Like holy crap! Like you did it. You know, um, that was worth. That was best moment of the year last year, and that was like that kept me going for another another year. You know. Well, tell me about that. Yeah. So me and my wife Sarah took a trip. We drove from Tennessee to Yosemite in your van. Not the old van. Sarah has no. <laughs> not my 1993 van. We have a Honda Odyssey, oh, um, cool. and a di- we have two vans and no kids. That's like what we like uh. to tell people. Um, <laughs> You've got the van that's like the kid that's that's reliable and gets good grades, right? And then you have the other van that's like a big pain in the ass. He's <laughs> like you, you love him, but he still he still screws up. <laughs> he still breaks down. 
and cost you a lot of money. Um, <laughs> Sounds like fatherhood. <laughs> one, one, one has serious XM, the other on the radio doesn't work. So, um, okay. <laughs> so we drove the Honda Odyssey. I think we call her Odessa. So we drove her to Yosemite and back. And we had twelve days to do it, and so with planning this trip, we we see national parks along the way, sleep at rest stops. That kind of thing. And we hit Yosemite. I didn't plan to climb in Yosemite at all, which doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm there. I should have, you know, <laughs> but I was like, I didn't have time. We were supposed to only be there a day. We ended up staying two, but I, we roll up to Yosemite. It's amazing. We stay at, I think, Lower Pines. And most of the people. campsite. Unbelievable. I know. I booked it <laughs> 10 years in advance. Um, <laughs> Before you're even a climber, you just were like, I think one of the. One of these days, I'm going to need this campsite. I, th- I better get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm leaving college. I'm like, well, I'd like to go to Yosemite one day. Better book now. Um, yeah. we. Uh, so that's why we didn't think we'd stay two days is because we didn't have a campsite the second night. But So we arrive, and then we like got there kind of midday. Like, sun was clo- like sun was closing down. That makes no sense. Sun was going down. Um, and we woke up like stoked to just explore the valley. Um, the places we've seen, you know, what inspired me to climb. It was the place that inspired me to climb, which was huge, but magical. I mean, the place is pretty magical. Um, I get a Instagram message from a dude that lives in Yosemite. But he was like, hey, man, we should go climb. I was like, I guess we'll go climb. That sounds good. And he showed me around Camp 4. And then we, I think, went over, I think it's called Manure Piles, like five threes back there behind Camp 4. And that was fun. But then he's like, dude, you should do Swan Slap goalie it's like right here walkable from here we should go look at it just go look at it do the first pitch like, oh, okay whatever um i was kind of nervous i was like never done a multi-pitch he's like do it he just do it he's just like an overstoker and i was like okay let's go and so i i climbed it like probably in like 45 minutes like a multi-pitch in yosemite and that just like whipping at the chains on my first climb that climb made me realize oh i can accomplish Way more than I think I can. It's because, like, I climbed a slippery 5.6 in Yosemite, you know. And I didn't fall. I didn't fall on the climb. Like, that's amazing. That's kind of how I climbed my first multi-pitch was just, like, on a whim. I wasn't even thinking of climbing that day. And then it was, it just happened. And I'm like, I I channeled it. Like, I, you know, like, I channeled it. I got that climber's flow for, like, really the first time. And I just did it. And, um... It kind of blew my mind that I was getting to climb with like half dome in the background and like looking over in cathedral. And it's like, it was a self-realization moment from watching a movie to like, I'm there doing the thing, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And I was, I was there and I was, I was in the valley and I was doing it. When times are like pretty down, I'm down on myself. I'll go look at that video of me climbing that thing and be like, dude, it's in you, you know? It's in you. You can do it. Was that the only climbing you did on the trip? Yeah, we got to climb around the flat irons. We climbed under the fifth. Shout out to uh, Jenny Fisher for doing that. Um, she took us up. I think it's called El Camino Royale. It's like a 5.2, but it's 650 feet. And this is mega, you know. Like, it's pretty mega for me. Boulder culture is like, oh, we'll just run up that. But not me. Like, I'll be, I'm never going to solo a flat iron. Like, that ain't ever gonna happen. I, I'll look. I'll be the most gumby looking person up there, but I don't trust myself enough to not be ripped up. Um, 
So people were like soloing around us and all that stuff, but I still, and we still did it. Yeah. That was a pretty mega day, especially like on a tw- like 12 day road trip. That was the end of the road trip. We were gnarly. It's just like, we were pretty thrashed, just, but we still did it. I remember like coming down the mountain. I was like falling and like pretty much self arresting myself, you <laughs> know, like flipping <laughs> over. Like, I don't even remember what was going on. And the approach was pretty heinous up there to the fifth, I think. So that didn't help. And again, we were on day 11 of a road trip. But we did it. Me and my wife did it. She sent. I sent. It was a great day. It's pretty magical being up there. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we sort of like lose perspective of it as climbers when, you know, like myself, it's been 30 years of climbing and and, uh, more than that, actually, at this point. And yeah, you lose perspective of what those things mean to people for the first time and, and what it felt like for me to, you know, I was a Midwest kid. I didn't have any, any experience with mountains and arrived in Fort Collins sight unseen to go to college and could see the diamond and could see, you know, the mountains, even the small ones right in, in the front range, like horse tooth looked like a mountain to me. You know, it's just like the berm that, that holds that dam back pretty much. It's like, yeah. And so I don't know, it's, it's fun to talk to somebody who's, who's got it all ahead of them in, in terms of like finding areas and, and places that, that resonate with you and things like that. Yeah. Finding those like moderate, big things is like my favorite. I think learning of a new, like giant slab route. That's like five, three. That's so all that's just awesome to me. I mean, when I hear that, I'm like, yes, thank you. It means I can like have a little bit of adventure, but it's also like sendable. Yeah. For me. You know, the culture of traveling, even if it's just in the States or whatever, um, for outdoor climbers, it's it's like such a part of the fabric of climbing as well and part of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you said about like having people all over the country to climb with, well, it, you know, it pretty quickly spreads to all over the world um, because of this connection with, with other climbers even that you've never met before. When you get to places, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's pretty easy to like find people who are climbing and they're like, Hey, you're a climber. I'm a climber. Let's, let's do this, you know, even without a, a, a common language. But, right. um, and I, and I, it's, it's, again, it's like, that's not a part of everybody's everyday lives and there's a economic part of it, but the dirtbag kind of part belies that a little bit of like what you actually need to, you know, to travel across the country to get to a place to go climbing. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, is that was that sort of new to your thinking as far as um, your life sort of pre and post climbing? Um, this idea of just going these new places all the time is is part of the lifestyle. Climbing made me really travel. Grew up in Alabama, and we would go to like Florida, and then we would go to the Smokies, which is the mountains in Tennessee. That was it. Like you know, um, I didn't go nowhere until I me mean, and. Sarah took our first trip to like Chicago. That was the first time, the furthest I've been away from home, really. First trip on my own with Sarah was like a drive to, nine hour drive to Chicago. I was like, this could be fun. So we saw glimpses of that because we would travel that way. But then like the option to just sleep in a van was open to me. I was like, I guess you could just do that, you know? And that sounded cool. Like that was, that was different. You know, we didn't have to have a hotel. And then like, through climbing like i bought the van like two years maybe after climbing i was like oh, i fulfilled this dream i got a van now and then that opened up like we could like spend three or four days in the red at a time and not 
super worry about finances, getting up there and staying. And then the van like spoiled me. Like I can't even sleep in a tent anymore. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I've been having. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, when's the last time heart... you slept in a yeah. tent, Chris? Like, <laughs> well, unfortunately, dude, it's like my um our our car that that tows our our camper is dead right now. The oh. engine's actually on a stand in my garage, and yeah. so we've actually been talking about that, like. Could we go back to just sleeping on the ground? I'm like, well, I think we're gonna have to because I don't, I don't think it's gonna be running for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny, but I'm, I always make that joke like it's barbaric, like it's, it feels barbaric <laughs> to have to lay down on the ground. Um, but getting up and off, up and up off the ground in the morning when you're in your 50s is like kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, too, I'm, thir- so. I'm 33 <laughs> and it's starting to hit me, being like, yeah, like what is my? Yeah, I'm laying down. I'm not getting up. And for eight hours, <laughs> and then you're like, "Yeah, I'm not moving." And then like your knee yeah. hurts in the morning. Like, what is going on? So I want to change change vibes here. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of switch. You know, we've been talking about your online presence, um, your sort of mission, which is you know to to kind of broadcast this like uh, ability to do these things in your body and and inspire other people. Um, in a similar similar body type to to try it anyway to to see what it's like, um, but it's also opened you up to I think abuse that like you know is is notable about the internet that no one or very few people would ever do in person. And the thing like I've been kind of like you know Andrew and I and and you know we have this like pushback against social media in our rhetoric because I have this like weird problem. I can't, it's hard for me to articulate, but like there's climbing on social media and then there's the actual going out and climbing. And in in my mind, they've, they've, they've melded into people kind of like, they have a hard time differentiating between the two. And I can, because I know what the crag is like. I know what the community is like. And like the, the version of that online is like completely morph the social media world is not the real world right and um i kind of want to ask you a couple questions about that about your again like courage to dip into that and open yourself to sort of the you know i mean it's open yourself to praise but also to to the abuse that can come online in a way that you know if you'd walked into that climbing gym become a climber you go to the red you do your road trips like that would definitely be a much different experience than what you might experience online and and you could do that and be a happy climber you know <laughs> like just you just go do that yeah. like climb with your friends and going and doing it you know yeah. what i mean so let me ask you about the choice to go online and if if you've regretted it at all or at least in moments been like this is not worth it i should just delete this shit um yeah. i think most of us have that moment <laughs> with social media no yeah. matter who we are yeah so yeah let, tell me about your social media presence the good the bad the ugly so um I originally started it um, to keep keep track of videos and progress for myself. It just so happened that I posted on Reddit a picture of me on the climbing Reddit. I was like, I've got my 300-pound self up the wall. That became the third most liked thing on that climbing Reddit. Like, even It even like had more votes than Honold sending LCAP. And I was like, oh, people might kind of want to see this. Uh, they might be like an audience for it, maybe. So I started posting consistently. It was mostly about, I wouldn't say weight loss, but just like progress at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
and people were inspired to go do do it now because friends would send my videos to them be like oh drew's doing this like you should come try climbing with me like i don't know how many times that's happened and and how many times i've been told that so i saw like i saw a need that i could feel that i didn't have when i first started which was a fat guy climbing point me in that direction there's one other guy and shout out sleepy climber pete he was a bigger guy and we would be like we like found each other like oh jeremy oh you're big oh drew you're big we both do the thing and so that was awesome um and we remain buds and like talk about our experiences as like, i just felt i sorry to interrupt i just followed some linebacker or something um yeah he's yeah, yeah he's a nfl player who's <laughs> yeah. sending v5 outside yeah and i mean obviously he's got a ton of muscle in addition but he's not small no no we've, anyhow sorry yeah, to interrupt. We, yeah we've talked a little bit he's, okay, he's cool. cool dude um so yeah i wanted to create a space for others you know that they could point friends to point themselves to and that's how you know drew climbs walls happened was just how it grew and i don't i don't regret it um i think it was hard at first when i first got my first like hate comments because it was like oh this guy's just doing this just to get sponsors or whatever um and that wasn't ever the case you know um that's not why i started i started because there wasn't it wasn't out there yeah i don't regret it my my first couple comments like i said were hard um, cause it was like, oh, people hate me cause I exist. Oh, I've invaded their climbing space and I don't look like every other climber. I, like I hit a nerve somewhere. Um, it's cause it was, people thought I was doing it not for myself, but just, I guess a following online. I don't know. Um, and I still get comments like that, you know, four years on the first couple I had to step back and be like, okay, they're faceless people on the internet. Like, you, you know, you never see who they really are and you never know what they have going on so hurt people hurt people so i took kind of my social work compassion that can kind of see the good in everybody and be like they're probably just going through something yeah people started like being real concerned like about my tendons and stuff like i would get a lot of comments early on be like you're gonna blow your tendons i've yet to, i've had one pulley injury and it lasted a week like i'm not doing like crazy routes or anything where it would like blow a tendon. I don't hangboard, you know? Um, right. Another hangboard hate, I guess. And like you said, <laughs> it's like you said, no one ever like screams at the hangboarders. You're going to blow a tendon. No. Actually, I guess they probably do, but not in the same n- nature. You know? Yeah. Like, your body type. You shouldn't yeah, do this because yeah. of your body type. But I didn't let that stop me. I kept going and it grew and it's grown to what it is now. And, I don't regret it because like I've got to show others that they can they can climb. Like we we do clinics called climbing is for everybody clinics. We usually do them at festivals and stuff. And it's like I get to look at I get to look around at those folks and like oh yeah you're like you're doing that you know you made a great decision for yourself to climb you know and it, it's cool cool to see and it's cool to take people out and it's a lot of people's like first times and stuff. Um, and we do get like a you know some bigger body folks and they're happy that there is a space like my instagram page that exists because they saw it and they started climbing or 
they saw another guy that looked like them. Yeah, it, the the hate is just is just weird for me. I think it's just like you know, I try to like I said, think about what they might be going through to make a comment like that because it's probably their own self esteem issues. But they bounce it off me, you know. Um, it's just it's just strange. I think when when I do get hate because it's like we should be supporting each other no matter what we look like, body type or whatever, you know. Um, we it should be a consensus like, oh, we're all climbing. Awesome. That should be it. Like that should be it. There should be no other opinion out there about climbing. Like we're all doing the sport. Rad. Good. That's it. Like. It shouldn't be, you can't do this because you're this, or you can't do this because you're that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's inter- it's an interesting thing because, you know, I, I've said this before that, like, I want to believe that climbing is, like, you know, everybody's great and we're all nice to each other and, like, you know, we give each other shit, yeah. but it's just, like, but, part of the deal, but, but it's not, like, focusing like, on anybody. Then you yeah. think of the 80s times where everybody was chopping bolts and hating each other. It's like, oh, this has been yeah. with us forever. <laughs> And punch, literally punching each other in the literally face too. Each other. Famously, yeah, yeah. But I, I also is kind of like, you know, it's like you've you've positioned yourself, um, and and you know, you're not alone, um, in this type of kind of these type of uh, of accounts, you know, online, um, this type of influencer. You've sort of positioned yourself as this outsider, right? And that's that's kind of your thing of like. Or not really an outsider, but like I'm unusual. I know I'm unusual. Right. I know I'm I stick out, or I'm I'm like the only guy like me at the crag. Um, and it's it's interesting because like you know I know like before I knew you, if I saw you like walk through rifle, like I certainly would like go <laughs> in my mind like wow look at that, that dude's big, you know like. And not like out of like hate or spite or evil or anything else, but you're right. You you would stand out in a place like that. Yeah. And I kind of want to know about that feeling because I think it's you know it's on if if you walk by in a clown suit, I would go <laughs> look. There's a dude in a clown oh, suit, you know. Or yeah. if you walk by like with a giant hat on, I'd be like, ah, there's a dude with a giant hat on or whatever, you right. know. Like when something sticks out, but you know, do you do you feel like that equates to some sort of exclusion at a cliff that you're sort of noticeable. Um, because I, you know what I'm saying is like, you're, you, you admit that you're noticeable. You admit that you're different. Right. That's kind of your whole vibe. Right. Um, and, and maybe like a little like lesson in how to sort of approach that. Like fat folks are aware that we're fat, you know? Um, <laughs> right. It's kind of been our whole thing, our whole lives usually. Um, right, right. I think it should be like a, a good thing when someone rolls through the crag and they don't look like everyone else at that at the crag, you know. I've gotten the stares for sure, and people also equate my size to like how new I am to the sport. Because oh, you because you've only you if you're that size and you're climbing, you know, that means you're new. And that's right because you you'll eventually look like me. Yeah, you'll eventually be like <laughs> you keep doing it. Super right, shredded. Right. No, it's like right. I am shredded. It's just like hidden under fat. Like I'm a strong. Yeah, I'm a strong dude, and you know. So people equate that to newness. So I get like beta talks at the gym, and it's like, dude, I've been around the block, man. Like I've I've been in this sport for a while. Um, so that can be a little insulting. Don't just judge a person by their ability. Of by the way they look. Um, sure. I've had that, like, I got beta sprayed, like, four weeks ago. Like, I was on the route, and they're like, 
you're doing a good job. Oh, you should do this. You should. It's like, come on, dude. Like patronizing. Yeah, it's like I've, yeah, yeah. I've been doing the thing, you know. And part yeah. of me wants to not be humble and be like, I've climbed in Yosemite. What have you done? But like, I gotta like chill and be like, okay, I get it, you know. Um, and it can be frustrating. It, it can be frustrating to be treated treated like you're different because that kind of like furthers a narrative that you don't belong in this sport if people are like super staring at you. But I'm I'm in a good position where people are kind of aware of who I am just because of my online presence. So I'm just trying to normalize it for other folks, you know, um, so they right. don't get those stares a bit like, oh, yeah, climbers are climbers climb like that should be <laughs> end of story. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like this is, you know, it's like the issue of our times at the moment is this yeah. inclusion and it's it includes um you know includes body type it includes right. trans people trans climbers it includes climbers of color right. you know sort of again trying to crack this thing i mentioned earlier that it was like white men who climbed mm -hmm. you know and even in my history of the 30 years and i've said this on here before like the last decade has been this major shift of of gender equality and I'm not saying it's equal, but just that issue of gender equality in the sport. And it's there's been huge gains made, you know, um, and it's only made the sport better. And and I think that, that that energy has, you know, in the last three years or four years or so shifted towards other types of people that have been, you know, traditionally if if not excluded, at least not invited yeah. um into it. And and that's kinda like th those two words kind of in my mind are the are the things that, that kind of roil around. Um, because among my friends, it's like none of us would, would, if you rolled up to the crag would, would somehow be like, you can't do this, like get out of here. <laughs> like, but you've not necessarily been invited in terms of the media or what's required or, yeah. or, you know, the inclusion in, in invite. And I think we're in this age now of invite of like, yes, we want these people. We want people like that to be in the sport. I think that that might be why my like page popped off because it was like kind of starting you know four years ago leading up to this where mm -hmm. you know we wanted we wanted to start including everybody and I wanted to be included and that led to me to want to include others you know yeah I think it'll be awesome you, it's good for the yeah I mean, totally good for the sport we just gotta break those egos you know we gotta allow people to be who they want to be I mean how much thought or work or collaboration do you put into your message you mentioned you know uh i wrote it down here sleepy climber pete that's another instagram account mm -hmm. um but what about like networking with with other social movements in terms of you know black climbers uh again uh trans climbers do you have any sort of network are you ever like teaming up are you are you talking to those people about messaging Not, ideas like how active are you with that are you just like here i am look at me i got my shirt off this is what it looks like yeah it's like <laughs> i create yeah um i tend to be drawn to more of those those groups you know because we're like fighting the good fight of inclusion just on mm -hmm. different levels whether it be me being shirtless at the crag or you know our our trans friends winning game shows it's like it's all huge and we're all doing it for different reasons, but the ultimate goal is, you know, in inclusion and feeling like you belong. And as much as, like, people say, like, the word safe space is overused and stuff, it is, like, important, especially from 
coming from like my social work background, it's it's important for people to have places to go and feel included. And it's not like we really collab, but like most of the folks I climb with are people in those groups because we're just drawn to that. I think, and we have similar ideas. And you know, it's the springtime. It's probably past like climbing season there. I don't know. Has it been cold there? It's been it's uh, like miserably it's cold. Eighty two today. So oh really? Yeah, we're kind of heading to summer quick. Um, oh man, it was like 26 here this morning. No. Um, and yeah. And, um, anyway, so, I mean, what are your 2023, uh, you know, let's call them goals. Let's call them thoughts. Let's yeah, call them so, ideas. Moving towards climbing and also towards your, um, your presence in the, in the media sphere. I'm gearing up for a trip. We're going to North Carolina at the end of, or middle of May. And so I hope to climb a couple of moderate slab out there. And so I've been, um, kind of training for that like i said like winter was kind of i didn't really do much i bouldered i was maybe outside four times all winter um bouldering so i'm training for some moderate slab because i hope to gain experience to be able to do snake dike it's kind of my ultimate goal and i hope to do that by, by the time i'm like 35 so in the next two two years or so i'm trying to gain as much experience as possible to get out there to do snake dike so i'm finding all the moderate slab and the bigger multi-pitches i can that's kind of my my goal right now is those little bite-sized chunks those little moderate climbs leading up to snake dike and hiking also i've been training my legs because of that hike to hike snake dike um and i hope like to gather support for that and you know maybe even film it um because i think that'll be uh, use the word inspiration or use the word whatever you want to just normalize big adventures for people like in a big body i think is what we what we need and i, ho- I hope to film it i hope to have support around it later in the year i was i was hoping to get to yosemite but um being in the influencer world there's like no budget for anybody right now so i just got dropped by two <laughs> sponsors because of budget cuts because outdoor industry we're in but um i hope to get some support and go out there and climb in yosemite i want to do the grack but that's if i i can get out there and i'll be in the red a good bit i think maybe three weekends in october so i'm kind of prepping my body for that i want to maybe do the looking glass nose the nose is what it's called i'm looking glass rock it's like a five eight i did the first pitch and I wasn't in like primo climbing condition to do that. I was I wasn't really training for it. I just kind of did the first pitch, a couple of climbs to get to the big guy. I think is my current goal. And I like joined a I joined like a rec county rec, and I've been like swimming and doing more stuff like that and running and prepping my body for for the big stuff. You know, I actually had a question: is how how did you end up? Um, you know, we opened by talking about how you're a sportive ambassador. Right. Um, like how did those things happen? Uh, because like, really, you know, it's like, um, you mentioned everybody's like, Oh, he's just doing this to get sponsored. Like, like you even knew what that was at the time. Like yeah. the idea of being, what it even meant. And in fact, most climbers don't even know what it really means. Um, it, they it just means, think like checks show up every no day money. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, how did that happen? Like it, it was it a surprise to you? Did they reach out? What, 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 yeah, what happened um, with that? Sportiva stuff was super rad because I felt kind of seen for one of the first times um, that I was doing something right. Uh, I just applied, told my mm-hmm. story, and 
got on the team. And a lot of folks ask how how to get sponsored. They'll like come to me or like they'll be in my DMs like, how'd you get sponsored? How do you get sponsored? And it's like, I don't know. Uh, I think you just got to be doing cool stuff in the outdoor world and you might get noticed and go from there. I tell people just to email folks, see what happens. Because most of my sponsorships have come from that. Now there's like four work, four years of work behind that to get to that point. And four years of putting myself out there and being vulnerable, that's kind of led to it. But I just applied and got it for Sportiva, and it's been amazing. Like, they've supported my climbing is for everybody. Clinics, um, I get to do them in the fall, and I get to do, like, Instagram takeovers for Sportiva, and it's so, always so fun, and just being out and about at those festivals is super fun. Grateful for the support, but yeah, it was just, uh, I applied. Well, it's funny, because, like, the, when I started climbing, like, like, free shoes was like gold standard level sponsorship. Like that was honestly like one of the, like the pinnacle. Like if you were, if you were getting free shoes, like you were somebody. Right. Um, and it's like changed so much. I mean, there were a handful of like truly, you know, somewhat like supported paid sp- like climbers, but like a few, you know, one hand kind of thing, um, at least in the United States. And yeah, so I just remember like the idea that someone got, got free shoes was like you know a dream come true so i don't know yeah, it's cool it's, it's like its own cool thing <laughs> i mean it is super sick just to be able to get some tcs like yeah. on a whim you know um yeah. i mean ask anybody over like 45 um in climbing like what free shoes used to mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's awesome and it was like a big debate too like that guy doesn't deserve free shoes even then like he, that guy sucks he, he doesn't deserve he free didn't shoes. send this he didn't free solo this yeah <laughs> Right. So that's like, so like whatever pushback you're getting on that too is like as old as climbing. Like, you know, there someone are, was probably like, Hillary didn't deserve those boots. <laughs> yeah. Forget that guy. I could have so, done that. If exactly, I had those shoes, so. I could have done that. Yeah. It's a, well, that's, it's a tale as old as time. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll get hate for existing. It's, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, that shouldn't shouldn't exactly happen. So, uh, is there anything else you want to um sort of want to tell people about your life and your interface with climbing? Uh, no, just like take care of yourself and enjoy the sport. Truly, it changed my life. Truly, I've seen the whole United States because of it. I've got to go places I never thought I'd be. Got to do things I never thought I got to do, and it all started because I took a chance. You know, I went into a gym and ask if a rope could hold me and it's led to what it has led to. Um grateful for all the support and I'm grateful for all the follows and this is the first time you've heard of me on because of Normocast and thanks, you know. Thanks for hearing my story and my perspective. Uh, it was a climbing goal to be on this podcast. Like I used to listen to it cuz I was like how what is this culture so uh, like I found the Normocast and I was like listening to old interviews like 2012 Honnold interviews and stuff. I'm like, Oh, this is really what this guy was really about back in there before. Like he led up to the big moment and yeah, it was cool. So it's cool to be on this podcast and hopefully my story resonates with some folks and I don't know, just go climb and be happy and love one another. All the, all the things. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Drew for connecting, being so honest, open, 
gentle. He just comes across as a gentle guy. I don't know if that bothers him or feels like some sort of insult, but I love it. And if you want to connect with Drew, Instagram's probably the best way to do it. At Drew Climbs Walls. If you're not on the gram, man, I don't know. Look him up in the phone book. <laughs> phone books. <laughs> do you remember those? They used to just send everyone's phone number to everyone. And their address, too. Fucking address. That seems so strange. Uh, anyway, uh, where were we? Oh, yeah, Drew. Connect with Drew. Look for him at festivals. He's doing his everybody clinics. Follow his media. Check him out. And if you do see a big person like Drew climbing, you know, just act normal. I think that's all he wants. I think that's all he wants. <laughs> just, you know, give him the nod and the smile. Ask him how the route was. I don't know. Don't give them extra praise or like you can't manage to, you know, not spray beta, then, you know, tape your mouth shut. I don't know what it takes, but that's all he wants. His level of activism is simply asking you to act normal. Like it's literally the least that you can do. (laughs) All right. I hope you guys are climbing. Summer dropped today here in Colorado. It actually got hot finally, which is late. It's been a lovely, although a bit wet spring Hope you're doing well out there. Your sending dreams are coming true. And of course, you're checking those knots. Yeah. Hi, Norma Nation. This is Jeff. Bezos. Bezos? Yeah. (laughs) However you want to say it. Uh, You may have heard of a little company called Amazon.com. It's not actually little. It's it's fucking humongous. But anyway, I'm kind of like your crack dealer for junk that you really don't need. (laughs) 